And in movies, I have one or two that I was like, well, this is mine. I don't care if this is my list. I'll fucking deal with it. I have one on my movies list. I, I don't think you'll mind it, but a lot of people will hate that it's a top 10 for me. Oh, I, I you know, me too. But like, the thing is, it's Hashtag. my fucking list. These are movies I would want to watch again, or I've walked away from and went, wow. Mm -hmm. And so the thing is, it's like we talked about last time too. It's like, why does good mean sad right. and dour Right. And dark and depressing, and I would never think about it again because I'm like, oh god. But it was, um, you know, a masterpiece. And like, I'll talk about that when we get to it. But um, okay, so just ten to one. Yep, I think so. We just talk about it however we want. Dick around if we want to. We can dick around if we want to. We can leave our friends behind. <laughs> but if you don't dick, then I'll tell you where you stick, and it's not in my behind. <laughs> oh wow! Oh my god, that was perfect. <laughs> Man, this took me. This was hard. I, I surprised myself with some of these. I did too. Like, don't give me this list and then do it again. Like, Let's see how close or far it is. Ask me. I'm on. And welcome to the Retrograde Podcast, where we remind you what you used to love and whether or not you still should. I'm Andrew Bascom. And I am Mikey, the movie phone man, Aaron Ward. Yeah, that works. There you go. We're talking about movies. Dude, you, I did not know you were about to start the podcast right there. What were you waiting well, on? We were, I don't know. Usually we just kind of go like, okay, good to go. Boom. And you just kind of went right into it. You're yeah. like, and welcome to the retrograde. I was just look. I was checking our levels. Oh, wow. I was looking at the sound visual. Right. Uh, that That's the what I call. sound visual. The sound visual. That's what I call when you're <laughs> speaking into the microphone and the, and the sound is picked up in those little waves. Do you have one of those d uh, disorders where it's like you can hear color no like when you like, taste you things see, you can see color like pharrell or sorry no you can Wait, see, see sounds. colors see, see sounds, sounds. Yes. yes that's what it is well, you can see colors <laughs> am i the only one i just turned out i'm a superhero <laughs> everyone else is very blind um yeah no uh, yeah one of those disorders you, your sound visuals yeah yeah apparently that really helps with like composing music i would imagine so it'd be so much easier but what i mean i guess it just means that when you see sounds together that sound good together, they also look good together. Is that the implication? Oh yeah, the, yeah, you're right. I guess the implication is yeah. Like you can see euphony and cacophony. Oh boy, oh, cacophony is the name of my porn <laughs> film. Cacophony. It's a it's a Beethoven esque you know uh, romp. Oh no! I thought it was gonna be. I thought it was gonna be a uh, uh, a down and gritty British tale of of two homosexual lovers. Cockney. Oh. oh wow! Cockney. 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 Oh, I chub chub. I don't know what they. Oh, that's gonna go well over in our British listeners. I'm so sorry about that. Hello, chub chub. <laughs> Top of the morning to you, shrimp on the Barbie. Um, <laughs> that's culturally sensitive. Yeah. Um, we're going to be doing the top 10 movies of the decade. We are. Welcome to Retrograde. We're so glad that you were here. Um, to follow up after our, uh, you know, last week was Home Alone. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Yeah. Um, we didn't enjoy the game, so I hope you enjoyed the episode. <laughs> you know uh, what? You know what? Oh, Mikey. Uh, honestly, I have such good memories of playing it. It's not good. I still agree oh, with you. Okay, it's not yeah. a good game. But I, I didn't, that was maybe the most fun that I've had. Like, just blatant, stupid fun. Yeah. When we take a break <laughs> to go play the game. That you was, could hear it. It was... It was <laughs> Man, I I was almost worried that it would be too hard to edit that down to like ten or fifteen minutes because I, I was just having a blast. I think there was a lot of gold. We had a, I, I had a couple friends staying with me from out of town, uh, yeah. Ashley and Jeff. Ashley from the Rival and Queen podcast. Go hey, give that go give that a up. shot. Um, 
but they were staying with me. They walked in right as we were about to start the gameplay portion, and I think we were kind of like on a little bit more than usual there because we actually had people watching us. I I think that's absolutely true. Um, but yeah, that game, I, you know, it might, you, every time you're like, you're like, well, you know, and I hear you like, kind of like making like mental gymnastics to, to prove that it was a good game. I, uh, I, I've never been more sure that you probably like to get your testicle stomped on or something like that. It's just oh. because you're like, oh, that awful game. Well, you know, I <laughs> there was some pretty... pleasure in pain. Yeah. Oh, it was awful. Wasn't it? It was so, it was so... <laughs> Awful. Why do you think I continue to play Overwatch all the time? Yeah. Just just throwing myself up against roll queue. Are you really good? No, I'm very middling. I lose <laughs> as much as I win. <laughs> oh. Ooh, interesting. Um, so, yeah, before that Home Alone episode, we did the top 10 TV shows of the decade. We did. Um, and so this is going to be the spiritual success for this. And then on New Year's Eve, two weeks from now, we have the video games of the decade, the I'm, top 10 I'm very games. excited for that one as well. I know. This, for some, I think TV was probably one of your harder ones. I think yes. you... you uh, Video games were almost impossible for me. Movies were very, very difficult as well. TV, for some reason, did not... Like, it was hard, but I didn't feel emotionally attached to the TV shows like right. I did towards uh, towards some of the movies and video games. But I'm interested to see where your list ends up. I think we're going to have more overlap in these lists than we did in the TV list. Interesting. I just also... The amount of TV that's accessible and out there now is just so... You know, it's so popular yeah. in that universe. So it's easier to probably say, that was good 10. Mine were good 10. And there's probably another guy that has 10 and you're Wait, like... but wouldn't there be more movies than TV? Like, I think... I think hmm. in terms of sheer volume, our list should be way different for movies. I don't know. I think there's probably more TV shows now. Just with all the streaming services and hmm. channels and, and everything. Like, it, you know, I bet you there's more... I don't know. I, I bet I, you you're fucking wrong, and I don't like okay, that we're okay, starting off okay, on this foot. Okay, you gotta calm down, okay? I I have to calm down. You're the one yelling. <laughs> you're the one yelling. No, I'm not yelling, Mikey. Lower your voice. <laughs> I've got the cans on. I can hear it. I'm so sorry. Oh my god, maybe your mic's just really loud. I've just thought you've been yelling at me this entire time. <laughs> well, I'm really like bloodshot eyes and like yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, but that's Ted Kennedy of, head. <laughs> that's just because of what you got up to last night. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent, and never went to bed. Mm. Um, Mikey. Mm. So we're going to go 10 to 1. Yeah, we are. These are the top 10 movies of the decade as we saw it. <laughs> yes. Obviously, it's very subjective. Incredibly subjective. Um, turns out, I just want to say like some overarching uh, thoughts here. Turns out, I very much disagree with the Oscars. <laughs> oh my God, same. I, 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 think, I think you probably were the same. I tried to think of as many uh, movies organically as I could. And then knowing that some were just going to have slipped my mind, I looked up a lot of top 100 lists for yeah. sci-fi, for horror, for this, for that. And then I stopped, or I, I finished it off by being like, oh, I guess I should check the Best Picture nominees. There are, like, none of them on there, or very, very few. Yeah, they're, they're, I, you know what? Almost, almost just as good would have been, like, going year to year and picking the movie that we thought was best that mm-hmm. year or something mm-hmm. like that. Because you go back and look at the Best Picture winners, and there are, like, there are truly some dreadful movies that oh my are, God, you yeah. know, Best Picture winners. So, um, yeah, I, not a lot of Oscar winners. With the exception of my number one. The artist. artist. Oh, I, I knew. I hate the artist. <laughs> it legitimately makes me mad. It's like, oh, that Angie Jean Valjean won one for best best actor. It's like, yeah. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's like the Roberto Benigni nonsense, and not just because they're foreign films, but just like shot in no, the dark. No, but you notoriously hate foreigners. Foreign films. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, in yeah. general, they build that wall. You know what I mean? <laughs> for Europe, you know, enough Irish people coming over here. Um, yeah. So uh, I think there's like that level, but I. Y- we made these lists. 
based on our own enjoyment of these films, the the way that they've lasted in our memories. Um, for me, I know, especially because you don't really go back and watch movies, but like rewatchability is a huge aspect where I was like, oh yeah, I'd like to go watch yeah, that yeah, movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and just the way that they stuck out for the uniqueness or many other reasons. So I'm excited to see what's on your list. We we also, just like our scores in the video games, we don't talk about these. No, I no. have no idea what's on your list. No, no. I have a good idea of a couple, but I have know. a sense of some. Actually, I'm pretty in the dark. With, I don't know, like I know which movies you like, but I don't right. know what movies you love. Hmm. And I'm, I'm interested to see that. But let's get started. Let's, uh, let's, do let's it. get into it. Okay, let's um, get into it. Do you want me to start? Actually, uh, you, you started last time. I started last time, so you start this time. Okay, absolutely. In 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 much due respect to my to my fallen co-host uh, Mike Aaronworth, oh, I am no. gonna. Yeah, you I did. Know. I took a bad slip today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I co-host with a ghost. Now let's go <laughs> write that. Co-host with a ghost. That's our new podcast. <laughs> okay, let's go write that right now. Um, I'm trying not to preface every uh, list that I have here, or every 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 entry into the the list here. But number ten, um, I am as surprised as anyone else that this is going to be number ten because when someone described this up. Uh, this movie to me and uh, and what was coming, I knew I couldn't be less excited. But I walked away with the most lasting memories of how incredibly poignant and sad and emotional and funny and fun it was. Number 10 is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I, I love that you had that on there. Yeah. I really do. I, it, that was You don't? No. Okay, <gasps> see, this wow. is... This, when I talk about how hard this was for me, like this, this, this list... That, that was the last one. Actually, no, there were two that didn't make my list that were legitimately painful yeah, for me to pull off. Yeah, and, and, uh, <laughs> and Into the Spider-Verse was one of them because yeah. I, can't, I can't contain, I can't, I can't describe the feeling it gave me of just sheer joy. The closest thing I can, I can relate it to is like when you're a kid and, and you love something, you love it to a degree that's so much higher than when you love something as an adult. Does that make sense? It's like an unfiltered, hmm. unadulterated love. Like, sure. it's, it's just this sheer joy. The cynicisms of everything else aren't a part of it. You just love it and are fanatical about it. Right. And Into the Spider-Verse just made me feel so much joy towards the IP. I was so, so happy with it. Yeah, it's so it's written by Phil Lord, and it was produced by Lord Miller. Uh, it's just an absolutely loaded voice cast between Jake Johansson and Chris Pine and Haley Steinfeld and Mahersha Ali and Brian Tyree Hill and Lily Tomlin, Nicolas Cage, Zoe Kravitz, Catherine Hahn, Leif Schreiber. There's more. There's like 30 other people I could have named yeah. and stuff like that. This is one of those ones where they're like, oh, you've seen Spider-Man, right? And you're like, yeah, we've seen a lot of Spider-Man. Yeah, we've yeah, yeah, seen yeah, yeah. nine movies, not including like the Avengers and other things like right. that, where Spider-Man's had his own movie. This one was animated, which is an also one where I'm like, oh, boy. This is because also there are countless superhero movies that are animated every year that just kind of get pumped out sure, to Netflix sure, or you sure. know, whatever Cartoon Network or something like that that aren't worth your time. And, and uh, at first glance, sorry, I, I don't want to interrupt too bad, but at first glance, the animation style of this looks cheap. Like it looks like it was made for movie or made right. for TV, but it's not. It was no. That was all done on purpose. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And But it's just so smart. It's absolutely loaded with with little nods and callbacks and, you know, kind of crazy on the nose you know, um, imagery, but it, it just works. It's emotional. And I always think about the Brian Tyree Hill from Atlanta, um, who is the, the father of Miles, Miles Morales, who's a police officer. When Miles is finally coming to terms with his powers and he's in his dorm room and he's taped up to a chair and he can't get to the door and Brian uh, and the father is talking about how his uncle is dead and why it's okay to be sad. And like, I know why you're not talking back and I know why you're not coming to the door. It's just, it's so heartbreaking. Yeah. And it's the, and it's a really good, you know, parent-child, uh, you know, moment. And on top of this, insanely over-the-top, universal, you know, uh, time-jumping movie. Yeah. It's great. 
I can't wait for the second one. I've yeah. actually rewatched it now that it's come out on uh, home movie. I love it. So I, I, as you mentioned earlier, very rarely, very rarely watch movies more right. than once. And Into the Spider-Verse, I think I've watched three times. Yeah, I really, really like that it's movie. It's just so good. So there you go. Number 10, Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse. My number 10 is quite a change of pace compared to Into the Spider-Verse. It's a movie that I don't know if a ton of people saw it or loved it, but there was something so poignant about it. I've referred to it on this podcast before. Uh... But it's Anomalisa, Charlie Kaufman. Yep. And I I don't know, there was something about it that spoke to me. I think it was only a couple of weeks ago that I said the annoying tagline for this movie was that it was the most human movie of the year. Yeah, it's right. a movie that's all puppets. Yeah. But as we were talking about, when you have puppets or you have animation, the subtleties of human interaction and inflection and the looks on their face and all the subtle... I guess like uh, facial expressions mm-hmm. and, and twitches mm-hmm. are all intentional, which right. means why are they choosing to do that there? And they're choosing to do that to really show a very minute human reaction to something, whether they're trying to hide it or mm-hmm. it's just instinctive. And I, I found that that throughout the entire movie was so consistent. The main character his is basically everyone in the movie with the exception of the main character and his love interest are uh, the same person. They all have the same face. They all have the same voice. They're all voiced by the same person. And that's kind of speaking to the main character's inability to find anyone else lovable or interesting or relatable. Right. And as soon as he starts to fall in love with the love interest, who is a, who does have a different look and face, slowly she starts to mold into the same generic look of everyone else in the movie. And that's right. basically to say... You are infatuated with the idea of someone, and then they become the person you are supposed to fall in love with, and then all of a sudden they are just like everyone else you've ever interacted. Isn't with. that so it's true? Though so true and so sad. Well, you like you when you meet someone and you're like, I that person is that my dream person, mm-hmm. and then you you place all these things on them, not knowing them, right. and then when you start to get to know them, you're like, why aren't you like that person in my head? Yes. And that's just a wildly unfair thing to do yeah, to somebody. Yeah, so, so you know? unfair, but also so tough to curb. It's just something that happens kind of naturally. Oh, no, for sure. Well, you know, uh, I just we just kind of spoiled it, but our top tens are not live action. They're all puppets all or animation. All of them are or puppets. Number nine, the Muppet movie. No, uh, <laughs> God, that almost. Um, Edward James. Ever Jane almost? Yeah. Uh, he's is he in that movie? Uh, he should be. <laughs> he should be. Uh number nine. I am uh number nine is based on a book, Michael Lewis's book. It's Moneyball. Um, oh, okay. Uh this is I a, had a feeling this would be on your list. I think this is just one of the most perfect like start and you're like, that was a movie. Yep. We watched a movie. Yep. That was fun. You know what I mean? There are moments of great parenting between Brad Pitt and his daughter. And, you know, his, his divorced wife with uh, Robin Wright. And Robin Wright's new husband, Spike Jones, who never acts. But every time he acts, I'm always like, that guy's great. I want to see him in more things all the time. He's such a dickhead. He's a Silicon Valley, like, rich guy in this. Yeah. And he's, like, doing everything to do well, but could not come across as more of a schmarmy, like, dickhead. Spike Jones is one of the most underrated people in Hollywood, I think. He's so talented. Everything he wants to do, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm in on Spike Jones stuff. Yep. You know what I mean? Including, like, jackass. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Stay away from, like, bad grandpa and we're okay, but, yeah, like, sure, uh, sure. everything else, I'm like, yeah, let's do this yeah. thing. So... Um, the Michael Lewis book that came out changed baseball. It was about Billy Bean and the Oakland A's and their pursuit of past analytics of how they can change the game. Um, this movie just was a movie star doing movie star things. Brad Pitt's just stoic face carries so much weight in this movie. Yeah. And this is why we have movie stars is to like, um, I couldn't have acted to that role because right. it's so much of it is nonverbal of him 
you know, thinking and, and seeing the game differently than these, you know, kind of very, very famous scene now of like how the scouts had been rating the players previously. Yeah. It's got an ugly girlfriend. That means he has low confidence, you right, know, like, right, right, right. or like, uh, you know, like he's got tons of confidence. His dick walks in the room three minutes before he gets there, you know, that kind of <laughs> stuff. Right. But like, it's real, real things that changed it. And I would have never thought they turned a number numbers based analytics book into a, you know, narrative movie, but it's fun. And like, not only that, but it was nominated for Best Picture, Lead Actor for Brad Pitt, Sporting Actor for Jonah Hill, Editing, Sound, Mixing, and Screenplay. And the screenplay was actually written by Aaron Sorkin, which I didn't even know about until oh, right now. Oh, wow. so, I didn't know that either. No, and I he loves Sorkin. I do. I love Sorkin. And it's not the last time you're going to see him on this list. <laughs> um, but he, I think he wrote the original one, and then they edited it for a movie to like change oh, okay. to where they were with Bennett Miller, the director, and stuff right. like that. I just think it's tons of fun, and, and it's... Like Chris Pratt in a very unknown role at the moment, and uh, Scott Hatterberg, and uh, yeah, it blends like really good baseball without showing baseball. Right. And uh, I don't know, I just love it. I think it's cute and adorable, and it's fun, fun I, movie to watch. I have so much respect for that movie. Um, I think about it a lot. It, it's changed my perspective on sports, on statistics. I agree, Brad Pitt is fantastic in it. Yeah. I also think Brad Pitt is wildly underrated in terms of his sheer acting prowess. He I is agree great. With you. Um, I think uh, one thing I, I love about this movie, there's another movie that I'm almost positive is on your list, The Big Short. And these two movies do kind of the same thing. We haven't finished locking eyes now because I'm, I'm trying to read whether or not I it's know. on the list. We should we play were, poker, we poker facing <laughs> hard, yeah. Um, we've never held eye contact that long no. in our entire lives. I yeah. think we're married. Yeah, I think, oh, man. Oh, <laughs> finally. 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 A lot less pressure, I'll tell you that. Oh, man. Will they? Won't they? Well, they just did. <laughs> and now the show goes downhill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah just like The Office. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think I think that Moneyball does what the Big Short tries to do, or what a lot of people think the Big Short does better, which is essentially tell a true story in a very uh, educational story, fictionally. And I learned a ton from this movie. Yeah. Uh, and it's stuff that I didn't know before, but I enjoyed the ride as well. It's almost like watching a really fun documentary. So I, I have a ton of respect for the way that they pulled that. Yeah. Out. And the only other thing is. Um Johnny Hill plays that composite character of like three different people. He really plays Paul DePodesto, who started in baseball, is now actually the GM of the Cleveland Browns in the NFL, which is oh shows you how these things how can much it's scale. statistic based yeah. rather than yeah. well. There's a really interesting story just for as an aside, but uh, Daryl Morey, who's the GM of the Houston Rockets in the NBA, got to be in there because he he was he was always an analytics guy, his number guy. And he realized, well, I'm never going to get a job in sports because I don't have any background in sports. Right. So he started working for financial firms. He looked over the financial sale of the Boston Celtics to their new owner. And the new owner said, yeah, but that guy's got to be in the deal too. He's really smart. Wow. And he so much so was like, I thought, I thought the only way I could do it is if I bought a team. I was going to have to make so much money in the finance that I could buy a team. And eventually just became like, you know, that's how oh, I that's did really it. that's really cool. And so these guys are now transferable guys. Unfortunately, they're all guys. But um, I'm sure there's some very talented women that don't get enough attention. But they're all transferable because it's like, it's just numbers. We're sure. just looking for deficiencies. Sure, right? sure. And so he plays a composite of many different characters. And thank God, because if there was just like five of them running no, around. No, no, it's too much. You want to relate to the one. And Jonah Hill, like his first kind of dramatic turn yep. as a and he's really he's good really in it good, yeah you know and so um so yeah moneyball I, I can't say enough about it it's just it's it's an unremarkably great film i agree with that yeah. i agree with that almost like the martian and i'm not sure if that's oh yeah the martian but, but, but sim similar to, it's not on my list it's not on my list either kind of but idea. only same thing i want to spend two hours with matt damon yes just being charming exactly. and like dude that's great exactly you know, like, yeah so number nine on my list uh i hope this is on your list because i would love to talk about it a little bit i love sci-fi and i love sci-fi done right there are a couple sci-fi picks on my list this one I think did 
it did something that is very seldom done. It dealt with a very highbrow topic, and it made it relatable and understandable to anyone who watched the movie and its arrival. Uh, arrival is on my list. Arrival's on your list. Okay, so we can. Uh, do we want to talk about when when it comes up on on? Yeah, you, you want to come up? Do you want to talk about? Because it? it's gonna it's gonna have to wait a second. All right, let's yeah. let's wait until it comes I don't want to say with which you. number, but it's gonna be a little bit where I'd, I'd rather we talk about it together rather yeah. than some here and then we just gloss over it when it well, comes up for you. I was hoping this number. So that's your number nine. Yeah, my number eight is gonna be. I hope also a movie. I hope is on your list. Um, it's also science fiction, but not in a. Not in a suspenseful way or anything like that. Yep. In more of a fanciful way. It is going to be, speaking of Spike Jones, Her. Her. Yes. Great. Amazing. So that is on my list. It's coming up. A, let's talk about that now. Sure. Because that one's... Uh, I, I struggled. There are certain kinds of movies that have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. And some of them do, do the same thing, but sort of better. And Her, I think I compared a lot to... Um, What's the Oscar Isaac mu- uh, movie? Ex, Ex, Machina, Ex Machina, which almost made my list. I so love that Ex movie. Machina was very good, but I saw it in direct contrast to uh, to her, oh, and wow. I think they dealt with the same thing, which is just a human's ability to comprehend emotion, right? Versus what a machine's ability to comprehend emotion, right? And and how we were just speaking about statistics and how statistics, 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 what statistics, statistics is oh, how those... many spatulas are in your kitchen at any oh, given time. Oh, I thought it's how well the performers are doing at the spot. Oh, I thought it was just how far you can actually hawk a loogie. I thought it was how Russian astronauts are doing. <laughs> <laughs> scene <laughs> yeah um i i think similar to that it's it's that you know analytics and statistics um can can relate to so many different fields in the same way yeah. i think that the concept of how machines and machine learnings and ai can relate to human emotions that theme had been played across a few different movies around this time right. and i think the one that did it best was her yeah, and it's weird that c- compared to Ex Machina because that's was like a really close thing on my list of like almost making it. Yeah, but it's funny to contrast the two because it's almost like taking a step further where there's actual the body embodying the voice. Sure, sure. right, and how that adds new difference appeals to it because Joaquin Phoenix falls in love with Scarlett Johansson right. in this movie. Right. And he falls in love with her because of her personality and the way that she can care for him. Right. Uh, and fill in the gaps in his life. Um. I forget what that guy's name is in Ex Machina, but he falls in love with... Uh, God, he's in everything, too. Yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, he's in, in everything. But yeah. yeah, he falls in love with um, he falls in love with the robot because of the other things that she can provide right. once she's a physical you know, creature. Right. Um, that is a really interesting contrast between those two things. Other than Ex Machina, straight up a horror film, and yeah. that ending like literally scarred me. I still think about it from time to time, of him being locked in there. Oh, the, man. The ending is, is the reason why I didn't have it on my... I don't like... The, I think it was a little too heavy-handed. Oh, it was. scared the hell out I know, of me. I know that's not a popular opinion, but yeah. I think it was a bit too heavy-handed. It's your opinion nonetheless. I, I think that what I what I love about her is that everything was so subtle. And right. the whole idea of machines moving on to form a think tank about what love is, to right. analyze it, right? Like, mm-hmm. to, to figure mm-hmm. out what this emotion is. When I think the thesis of that movie is love is only as important to us as, as it is because humans are flawed and right. love Love kind of is only activated in the in terms of the amount of power it has over us insofar as we are flawed. And we can never fully understand it because we only want to have it with one person, so to speak. Right. Like You talked about how Joaquin Phoenix fell in love with Scarlett Johansson. I would argue Scarlett Johansson did fall in love with Joaquin Phoenix. But because machines mm. are so capable of objectivity, she was also able to fall in love with literally 
thousands of other AIs and people across the yes. world. Yeah, and that that's a very interesting concept as well. Would humans want that, or do we like our flawed sense of love? I I, I found that a really interesting. Yeah, is that what makes question. it fun? Yeah, you exactly. Know what I mean? exactly. Knowing it could end. Yeah. Um, I I agree with you. I also the the world that Spike, Spike John's created, um, is is simultaneously like beautiful. And there's like lots of pastels and neons and stuff like that that are very interesting. But it also, you look at it and it doesn't really, you can't imagine it's that far in the future. Mm. You kind of look around, you're like, yeah, this, I recognize That could this. be five years from now. Totally. Like literally five years from now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so that's why it was a nice, like, it's a new way to tell a love story. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I just really think it's beautiful. So for sure. Number eight is her on my list. Number eight on my list is uh, going a, l a lot darker than her. Uh, it's going darker than most movies that have come out in the last 10 years. You can't say Dark Souls, Mikey. It's not that kind of list. <laughs> oh shit, this isn't... I thought... <laughs> you're not talking about the video game based on her? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the video game her. Where you're Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and man. you're trying to manipulate lonely old men. Um, <laughs> mine is Hereditary. Oh, wow. Hereditary. Yeah. Uh, I I rediscovered my love of horror movies. Or not even rediscovered, because I never really did love horror movies. But I, I discovered that I could love horror movies as long as there weren't really pop-out scares mm. over the last, like, five years or so. Okay. So there were a lot of very good entries in that realm that fit those requirements for me. Scary, brooding, dark, no pop-out scares, or very little pop-out scares. Mm -hmm. And Hereditary toes that line perfectly. It's the first movie in a very long long time that I've watched and even though it's not like it's not dealing with something that can happen to me it got under my skin so much that I couldn't sleep I had to open my eyes and look around my room all night like yeah. I just couldn't it just was so unsettling and I I loved that about it yeah unsettling is a really good way it's unfortunately not my list but I have so much respect for it it's a great yeah. movie yeah, and yeah. uh it is unsettling it's true horror in the in the true sense of the word because you're 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 not scared because it was it, you weren't scared as an experience. Right. You were scared because it's a scary thing that you can leaves you with you. Right. You know, it leaves with you. Excuse me. You know what I mean? And I there are so many like single image shots that just stayed with me. Oh like, my god. Tony Collette's a great actress. She's so fucking good. She, she's great in everything. Yeah. She was she was in Knives Out and she's so good. She oh, played, is she? She was like a new age hippie. Like it's it's great. Yeah. You know what I love about Tony Collette? She never looks like. Tony Collette in her movies. No. Not, not looks like, but it's like Jonah Hill, you talk about him being a very good serious actor when he mm -hmm. wants to be. I never see him as anything but Jonah Hill. Uh, mm. When I see Tony Collette, she is whatever character she's playing yeah. and that's it. Uh, it's, it's a United States of Terror or nothing for me, really. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, Little Miss Sunshine, she's yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, she yeah, just, yeah. She's a great actor and... Uh, and yeah, no, but the the I guess we're we're ruining these movies, so heads up. But like, yeah, the pi piano wire scene just like is like one of those ones where I'm like, if I close my eyes, I can see it. I'm like, Ugh. you know why you can see it? It's because so the piano wire scene. For those of you who haven't seen it, if you haven't seen Hereditary, I don't know, plug your ears again. Don't use don't use your headphones. Don't to plug, plug your, your ears. ears with headphones. You're gonna hear the spoiler even better. Could I plug them with my two iPhones? Yeah, yeah, to the speakers directly, <laughs> directly into your ears. Yeah. Um, is is uh, you hear the sound of her cutting off her own head yeah. with piano wire yeah. well before you see it. And you're kind of just like, what is that sound? It's a, it's a grinding, like, yeah. And then the thud of the, oh my God. Skull. Just so fucking gross. But, oh, yeah. God, hereditary. I'm glad you had that on the list. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a really good one. All right, so for my number seven, also very tonally different. Uh, I don't know how it could be tonally similar, but um, I'm going to choose Noah Baumbach's movie, Francis Ha. 
Oh, okay. I, I haven't it. seen that actually. Uh, you know what? I don't. I was afraid. I was one of these ones. I was gonna say Fred saw, and you would just go, "I did not like that." And I oh. go, "I don't know how you'd respond to it." It's a black and white film um, about Francis. Greta Gerwig plays Fred, uh, Francis, uh, Francis Halliday, and uh, and her, you know, late twenties of her life living in New York. And while that might sound like every sitcom that's ever existed in this world, it's a really great interpretation of what it's like to be getting older. When you're in your early 20s, you know, things do not have consequences. You are living free. You can yep. do whatever you want. And dying hard, some might say. Absolutely, living free or dying hard. Um, and so, like, you know, it's her breaking up with people, finding friendship and losing friendship, lifelong friendship. What was it like to be friends in college and then not be friends afterwards? Right. And it just goes up and down. And the way that uh, Noah Baumbach plays with time is my favorite part. They don't cut scene to scene. They don't show passage of time. But what they do, do, what they do is they show place cards for addresses. So like we are at 38th Street, Brooklyn. Like that's, it goes black and it goes 38th Street, Brooklyn. And so they don't say the date or the time or anything okay. like that. But then you'll go, you'll see uh, her roommates who you thought you moved in with. Oh. And they're like, how's your new place? And it, it like, And it comes up so casually. They're like, oh, we're showing passage of time. And I didn't even know that that happened. Interesting. But he does it so well. Yeah. And her mistakes and her awkwardness and everything. And it's just a really great, like, late 20s coming of age movie that if you want to cringe for a second here and there where you go, oh, I did that. Yeah, it's, it's, I love it. It, she is so magnetic in it. And the who who is the actress? Is it Greta Gerwig? Oh, okay. okay. Is, uh, I think it's her last acting before she got into directing full time. But uh, she's like, you know what's funny? I was actually watching it, and for a half a second, I'm like, is she not a good actor? Oh. But then I start realizing, I'm like, no, she's just playing it really very real, and that's yeah, how yeah, we yeah, all yeah, look yeah, yeah. when you're like, when you're fighting with someone, you're like, no, I don't, no, stop, shut up. Like, yeah, 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 you're yeah, not yeah, making yeah, yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. mad, you yeah. know? And uh, I just think it's a really beautiful film, and it didn't really get enough attention, but Noah Baumbach's an amazing director. Greta Gerwig's a good actor, and I, I just think it's... It's like a really great period stylized piece. Oof, man. Yeah, I, your description of it makes me think I probably wouldn't like it, not because it's a bad movie, but because it's too real. Like, yeah. I, I feel <laughs> yeah. all that shit now in my life, and I don't really need to see it represented in the big screen. Oh, Mikey, you, there is a number of times where it's just like, oh, boy, I've done that. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, yeah, there's some stuff. But it's, it's yeah, it's a really good movie. So Francis Ha, number seven for me. Speaking of things that I've done a lot, uh, I've watched this movie a lot. Oh. And and I laughed my ass off every single time. I still think this is the funniest movie I've ever seen in my life. It's MacGruber. Oh my god, I love that this is on there. Yeah, I <laughs> it's one that I I I don't know was on a single of the top 100 lists <sighs> that I saw, but I couldn't not have it on there. It is I'm so, proud so of underrated for a comedy. I I couldn't believe how many people wrote it off before they even saw it. Yeah. And I don't know where that comes from. But I've never watched this movie with someone else who hasn't immediately come around and thought, yes, that is absolutely amazing. Plus, I went as MacGruber <laughs> for Halloween once, and it was the best day of my life. I, oh, that is so good. I, I'm so proud of you. I, I, I oh, God, I have, I have so much to say about that. But, yeah. like, the amount that MacGruber actually affected my life, like, the way I say things. Oh, yeah. In, in like, a Simpsons level. Sure. Of, like, <laughs> if I'm around the apartment and I can't see my partner, Alex, who lives with me, and I go, I'll just go, like, tug, tug, you can't be all gone, tug. <laughs> like, after they spend, like, a 10-minute montage of him gathering the team together, yeah. A-team style, uh, and then all of a sudden they all explode in a Van. Yeah, I would know because I packed those explosives myself. <laughs> Boom. Bang. <laughs> no, tug, tug. And then only the way that Will Forte can 
just drops to his knees and like <laughs> screams in a way that you've never seen anyone scream before. But it just like it's like voice is bursting out of his yeah, skin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I, that movie. Oh my god, that movie is so funny. I wonder if like Ryan Phillippe and like Powers Booth and the rest of the people knew what they were signing up for. I have no idea. The only person that knew who they were signing up for is Val Kilmer because he is totally in from day one. And going He's like chewing all the scenery yeah, so much, oh, and I love it. He's could, taking his time with the most benign lines, and I have no issue with it. I love it. He's like he's the only one that's aware of what movie they're doing. Yeah, other cunt. than Kristen Wiig. <laughs> just. Oh man, that see that's the problem is now we're gonna say and I just yeah. wanna just bring up all the scenes. But like when she when because MacGruber is the biggest coward in the world. Yeah, and yeah. when he dresses Kristen Wiig up as MacGruber to go into the coffee shop oh my just God. in case they kill her. <laughs> I just and they uh oh, And man. that's kinda when he falls in love with her. Yeah. When, when she looks exactly like <laughs> yes, him. Exactly. God damn. And that was uh that was draft, uh, directed by um uh the Lonely Island guys. What's his name? Uh uh Schaefer. Oh I yeah, know. it's it's it, uh, yeah, not your, your not your man to call me and not Andy Samberg is the other guy. Oh okay, uh, and he's like the kind of the production guy of the team. And, oh nice. Uh, okay. So it's like also just like oh god that movie. I'm so glad you did yeah, that. That was that was I'm a great. So one. so happy. What's your number? Uh, what's your number six? Number six, great, and also another personal project because it was a movie that I watched and watched out, walked out just punching air and going like that sucked. That was so good. I love this thing. Number six is John Wick. Okay, okay. Okay, number yeah. six, John Wick, directed by Chad Stalowski and David Lynch, two former stunt guys uh, who have just been doing everything around Hollywood for stunts. And created a new kind of fighting style and way to shoot it. Shoot it, excuse me. It's visually uh, like outstanding. It's beautiful to look at. The way that they use color um, is incredible, and it's a, just the perfect use of Keanu Reeves. Yeah. You need a stoic, badass guy who doesn't want to say too much. They explain the emotional arc of the movie within five minutes. Yep. The dog dies. His wife dies. The dog dies. That the wife got him, and now he's just going to kick all the ass in the world. Great. In. Don't need to hear more than that. Yep. It's just it's it's so perfect. It's like lay it up, bring it down. Yeah. And you just get to have a, just a, a, like a visual feast on 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 screen about how much fun it is to kick ass. You in you ways. made such a good point before I had seen the movie. You made a point about how it almost seems like there's a source material that this movie is based on. Oh yeah, right. and it doesn't feel the need to explain it to you. For example, after the first major fight scene when he just kicks so much ass in his house, the cop comes to his door and is like, "Hey, John." You back to work? And yeah. he's kind of like looking around and knows there's a bunch of shit. And he's like, hello, I'm uh, exploring a few things, something like that. <laughs> yeah. He's like, okay, John, good to see you, John. And totally. like, you know, there's a history when he goes into the, the hotel of that, you know, that that's kind of the occidental, the occidental, the, the bastion sort of for all the, mm -hmm. um, the assassins. It's, it's like, we should know that that exists. It's like, totally. well, obviously it's there and it doesn't, it never flat out just explains it to you you right. just kind of pick up from bits and pieces the the storytelling of showing not telling is is brilliant for it that. doesn't it doesn't hold your hand for everything yeah and and that's that's great what i always i always like is the star wars style of storytelling it just starts at the beginning and goes and here we are start yes like don't they call that in medias res is that really yeah i didn't know that yeah well I, it's the same thing in this it takes you seven and a half minutes to get through the wife dying and the dog you know living and dying and getting a new dog and him just wanting to now for the next hour and a half just kick as yep. much ass as possible. Great, because then I get to enjoy it and know the stakes. And there's not a lot of curves and twists. It's just a fun movie where you're right. You know, I don't I don't want to talk really about the next two that came after it, really, because that's not the point. Yeah. I, this movie is this movie. Um, while I think there are some, like, really great moments in the next two that you can kind of savor, it turns out that explaining it or showing... Yes, exactly. ...doesn't always pay off. Right. So, John Wick 1... 
is fantastic and is number six on my list. I that was a hard one that I for the last I I, I had my top ten finished and I had John Wick written down right next to it. I'm like, do I like that better than this? Better than like, and I couldn't fit it on, and that mm-hmm. one really hurt as well. Yeah. Um, but my number six is I don't know if you. I don't know if you remember this movie, oh. um, but actually, no, you probably do. But I think a lot of people would have will have forgotten it. Okay, it it's a movie that I watched and I didn't know that I was following along with what was going on up until the like the very last scene where I bawled my fucking eyes out and almost didn't know why I was crying. Subconsciously, it just planted a seed, and it and from that seed grew the tree of life. Uh, out of oh, my body. Tree of life, yeah. And, and, uh, Terrence Malick. Terrence Malick. It, the weird whispering and the and the subtle hints of 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 like abuse yeah. and power. Yeah. And, and, yeah. But father but and son. Father and son, and any any like you said in Spider Man into the Spider Verse, any labored father son story is always going to tug at my heartstrings. Um, but man, it was not not because I have a labored father son relationship, but I think it's so easily relatable or empathetic because everyone has moments of like, I don't think we fully understand each other and we know it and we're trying to get on the same page, yeah, but we're totally. just never going to. Well, I think it's kind of like, it's kind of like our description of her and love a little bit. It's like everyone has, for the most part, has had a parental figure in your life. Yeah. We, once you get to a certain age, you realize your parents didn't know what they were doing. And I yeah. don't think that's a fault. No, it just means none of us know what we're doing. Right. There's no rule book. Even though there's 10 million books printed about love and parenting, we don't, there's no set, you know, this is how you do it. Right. Every experience is different no matter where you grow up and who you are and stuff like that. And so you realize watching flawed ones that you go, I can relate to so many topics of this. And even though my relationship with my father wasn't like Brad Pitt and his son. Right. You you could take parts of it and go like, that's exactly right. Yeah. No, I get it. You know, and you get it for the son and you get it for the father. And and you see how it gets taken. You know, unfortunately, you don't, you don't want to see a relationship end up like that, but you can see how incrementally it gets to that point. And then there's no turning back, but if you haven't seen Tree of Life and you're willing to have the patience of not being 100% certain what you're watching up <laughs> until the very end and even beyond that sometimes, definitely give it a try. I watched this before I really smoked a lot of weed um, and I felt high the entire time just with the visuals that they use and the auditory, like it's just low volume or yep. very high volume whispers. Like it's, it was really Yeah, it would have been a really great movie to see in the theaters. And if you don't, like if you have a really great... Um you know, set up at home. Yeah. Like oh really God. fully Pump go into it. Up. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Cause Terrence Malick has got, what is it called this year? Oh, hidden life, hidden life. And that's very similar that it's like, man, you just, if you show me a trailer for something, I could tell you if it's a Terrence Malick. Movie. Yeah. Oh, 100%. he shoots something very clear. It's always at a three quarter lengths. Yeah. Super wide on the, super wide on, on, uh, the figures and, um, the way they talk. It's like, you know, it's like, I could say like Mikey, I don't know. And then we take like seven beats and she goes, I know. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It, like, it, and you know what? With like he, the, the, the noise of the room amplified to 10, just absolutely. like the weird static sound. Or one thing I love that he does is like, like there's a, I think there's one scene where uh, there's a kid in playing on the lawn and the camera is focused close up on the kid while the kid's mom is talking to the kid. I can't even remember if it's a guy or a girl, but the whole scene traditionally would have been filmed like cut to the child, cut to the parent, cut to the child, cut to the parent, or show both of them. Yep. But this is like all the kids' reaction. That's it. Zeroed in on the kid while everything else goes on around it, but it doesn't matter because it's just about what's going on through this kid's totally, head right now. Totally. Yeah. I, I, I want to see a Hidden Life, his movie that came out. He's taken a break over the last couple of years. and uh, But this one's um, an Austrian 
who's like a conscientious objector, refuses to fight for the Nazis. Okay. And it's just all shot in Austria, and it makes Austria just look beautiful. Oh, nice. So I, I really do want to see that, because Terrence Malick, when they come out, and I know he's got as many detractors as he has, people yeah. that like him, but they're always interesting. Yeah, 100%. You know, yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. really like walk away going like, I have no opinion on this piece. Yes. So, okay, so that was your number... My number six. So your what's your six. number so five? My number five. So my number five is my most is the most recent movie that has come out uh, on my list. Um, it is Men in Black International. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's I don't know why that feels like I'm punching low on that one. Um, number five is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh great! I, I just watched that finally. Oh, you did? I did. So oh, we can we talk, can talk about, about, it. about it. I was so afraid I was going to have to like kind of walk around no, it a little bit. No. I loved this movie. I love this movie. And I, I'm not – literally the next couple of movies I might not even be that excited for is, as much as this one. But I just was – like it's just one of those ones where there's like just a beat leaving the theater where you're like, oh, oh whoa, whoa, that was so much different about it. Quentin Tarantino shoots Quentin Tarantino movies, and they do have a certain look to them. He loves Hollywood, and he loves Hollywood history. And even though this is the greatest kind of interpretation for his kind of films, where it's not history. It's not history at all, right. actually, when you look at it. Um, but just between the neon signs and 70s Hollywood and L.A. and the driving, there's a whole segment of that movie that's just so much fun to watch, even though it's done almost in complete silence. Then we can start talking about the characters between Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. Brad Pitt is is a great, complicated, awesome character. Yeah. Um, he's killed his wife, probably. Most likely. Most likely. They kind of just insinuate that he has. He beats up Bruce Lee. He, you know, he was in a war and wasn't, stuff like that. Wasn't that his, I thought that was his imagination of why he got kicked off set. It's like that would have ended up happening if he were on it. See, but that's kind of the thing is like, so I was going to say is that like, he's got about six things, but you don't know if any of them are true. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah These yeah. are interpretations of the way he has lived his life. Right. And he's so low key about it that you don't like Thor's brother. Like Thor's that, brother. That you don't think to, to question it. But yeah. when you start looking at it as a whole, you're like, Wait, is he full of shit? Yeah. Um, and only by the end that you're like, with the way he dispatches of uh, of uh, the family, yeah. you you start to go like, well, the, maybe the a family, second, yeah. like maybe Tex he, and... Yeah, Tex, uh, yeah, Tex Winter. Um, maybe you start to think, oh my God, maybe he is for real. Right. Like he kind of is so cool about kind of stuff. It, it, in like any great Tarantino film, it has peaks and valleys. And I don't mean in quality. I just mean in pace and in tone. Yep. And like they're like the, the scene where he goes to the ranch, uh, where Brad Pitt goes to the ranch and the family is slowly starting to peer out at him and come out and stuff. And oh, it's so yeah. tense. That was so fucking good. And he walks up to the house. Like, it's just so tense the whole time. And then proceeds to beat the shit out of the guy. And that, like in, 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 in this not likable character who's so ruthless, like when I take one more step, I'm going to kill you too. It's yeah. like, whoa, yeah. my God. Yeah. I just, it's so great because it's also an amazing two-hander between Leonardo DiCaprio character and Brad Pitt's character who could not be more different if they right. tried. Right. And watching them two separately and then watching them engage yeah. is the most fun part part of this movie you know i absolutely loved it i i i am so glad i i got to see it i think brad pitt is just another notch we've mentioned his name so many times in so many movies he's been in already so right. far but he's just a phenomenal actor and uh and i i just loved this movie I, I was very hesitant to see this movie because i'd heard a lot of bad things about it um and i'm starting to realize i think the people who didn't like this movie probably would have loved the tarantino movies that i didn't like they probably hmm. would have loved hateful eight because it's oh. a bit more action and it's a bit more easy to follow. Like there's a there's more of a through narrative. But I loved this movie. Oh, I so absolutely loved this movie. This like like when we talked about our top our most favorite Tarantino movies. Yep. This is 100% up there. Yep. It takes its time. The writing is great, and it doesn't get Tarantino silly. 
the way that a lot of his newer movies are getting. Like, even Reservoir Dogs didn't... Like, it got outlandish, but yeah. not silly. The only exception in this movie, and I think it's because it's the fictional, the highly fictionalized portion, which is when the Manson family comes in to it's murder. the violence, right? The, the crazy violence and, like, the one family member who won't die and is just screaming around <laughs> in the in the pool that was legitimately stupid like i didn't like that at all oh uh, in but the theater it was uproarious laughter what uproarious really uproarious laughter I, could, I, I was watching that like this can't land for anyone like, I, what it, the fuck is going on the, it, but it, it to me and like i know this is this is will probably get the area where people that do not like quentin tarantino will not like this part yeah but to me it was in the theater is like so if you haven't seen once by time hollywood heads up but the manson family doesn't attack Cheryl Tate's house that night. They right. actually attack, uh, I forget what Leonardo DiCaprio's character's name is, but they attack his house instead because right. they're next door neighbors. And I guess they're mistaken. Right. Um, and for what preceded was an outrageous amount of violence um, where he breaks his nose with the dog, the, the can with yes. the dog food, and they show the nose sticking out. And everyone in the, th the theater I went to, we saw that opening night, I think. Everyone's going, oh, oh, but you're doing that thing and going doing that and then giggling under your breath because you know it's wrong. Yeah. So you're like, oh my God, oh no, oh no. And so that when she gets outside and starts freaking out, you, somebody in the back whispers like, goes, flamethrower. And you go, oh, and, and then it just this it builds for anticipation where he just where Leonardo DiCaprio destroys her with a flamethrower, yeah. and then you're just laughing at that point because you're like, oh, that is the silliest thing in the world. And but everything leading up to the moment where she like it was it was the fact that she was just screaming and flailing yes. that was that was stupid to me. But everything else about that scene was great. The dog yeah. food, the, and the, the, they set up the dog that he would click yep. and wait for food and like yep. the whole thing. And then it you know after all that outrageous laughter and like high pitched nonsense. They cut back to Cheryl Tate going, oh, my God, are you okay? And I Sharon just, Tate, right? Cher, oh, sorry. Yeah, 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 Sharon Tate, yeah. thank you. I, is that I just – you hate to think that you're the family, stuff like that, like living in this dream world where your daughter survives or this, you know, this person survives that's an innocent, you know, uh, victim. It's, it's hard not to get, like, oddly emotional where you're like, oh, wow. Like, what a weird way to – you can I tell a story. Because it's emotional for someone who – like, even, even when I watch Inglorious Bastards, there's mm -hmm. the scene when Hitler dies in the theater and you're like – there's, uh, you know, it's fake, but there's that part of you that's like, oh, maybe that is how it happened. Like, yeah. even yeah, though yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah. and you could imagine, like you said, as the family, it's gotta, it's gotta be emotional in some way, whether they, whether it's good or bad, or or they didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm assuming. Well, they did sign off. Should they did sign off on I, it? That's what I was gonna yeah. say. I'm assuming it would have gotten to the point where they would have had to get. No, involved. I'm sure they like it because they show her. And I, that's sorry, just another thing about the controversies. I don't get this thing about like, well, Sharon, uh, Sharon Tate had nothing to do and stuff like that. I'm like. To be honest, I think she has one of the more impactful things of watching somebody come of age and enjoy their life. Like yeah. they show her as a very happy person who's enjoying stuff. Like in direct contrast to Leonardo DiCaprio's character who hates himself yeah, miserable. around every turn and then is is in love with the idea of having potential mm -hmm. but can't stand anything else around it. Totally. It well, it's her arc on the way up and his arc on the way down. Yes. And just seeing their two lives about that. So I don't really kind of get that. I think, I think Margot Robbie's really great in it and like angelic. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know. I absolutely love that. That was movie. a great movie. Um, my number five, we already talked about is her. So why don't we oh, go, uh, we from go. that into your number, number four. four. Yeah. I wonder if this movie is going to be on your list. This is one of those ones where I say, so number four is going to be whiplash. Uh, yeah, it's coming up. No, it's not. Oh, that was no. that was another hard one for me wow. to, to not do. Yeah. I'm super shocked by that. Uh, Damien Chazelle turning out to be one of the most talented young directors of the next what generation. Else is, he, uh, he, did, he did Damien Damien Chazelle. I actually Damien Chazelle. I, Damien he Chazelle. did uh, La La Land and he did oh. First Man, and he's my okay. age, by the way. 
So like, oh wow, yeah, no, that's what I'm trying to say. Like he's like every movie he's made has been a concentrated effort, genre wise and everything, to be different. Damn. And it's it's really impressive instead of sticking to the same genre. And stuff. Yeah. He also writes these movies. Um, Whiplash is um, a great you know parable about determination, working too hard, taking things too seriously, but the excellence that can come with hard work. I I. I you know, between J.K. Simmons, who's just like so phenomenal, so goddamn good in that you movie, know, oh and my Miles Teller, and it's just like a kind of a loaded cast, and the music, and if you really like jazz and blues and stuff like that, I, I it's a really great movie. I I kind of don't need to see more because so much was lauded on top of it. Right. So I feel like I'm almost like joining the chorus on this one. Pun hey. Um but Whiplash. Great movie, harder watch, but really just phenomenal. It is. It is one of the reasons why I haven't seen it a second time. I, I that I think that was my favorite movie of that year. I can't remember what else was out that year. Was that Birdman? Birdman was yeah, also that out was that Birdman. Year? That was a really good year, actually. Mm-hmm. Inherent Vice, I think, was yep. there as well. Yeah, which um, I that was a hard cut for me. Yeah, Inherent Vice was really good. Paul Thomas Anderson is just fucking... well. There's a couple of Paul. Ta- I, yeah, we'll talk about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so, no, in in general, Whiplash was so anxiety inducing that I, I couldn't lay down and watch it. I had to sit up and that's never happened to me in a movie before. I literally had to change my posture in order to prepare myself to watch those highly anxious scenes. So I'm, I'm happy it made one of our lists. Unfortunately, it obviously didn't make mine. Yeah. Um, my number four, I'm hoping this is on your list. Um, the Avengers, uh, infinity war. No, eh? Nope. I have man. no Marvel movies except for Spider-Man. Man, I, I had to have this movie on my list because, you know, you know, it's like we talk about, there's there's this perception of what a good movie is. And a right. lot of people think a good movie can't also be a blockbuster movie. I, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I think that this would be kind of be like my John Wick pick, mm-hmm. how you had it, sure. where it's like all this was was having fun. And, and right. it's, it's almost cheating because it's 10 years worth of buildup to get to this point yeah. like was this movie Infinity War or Endgame sorry did you have Endgame or Infinity War Endgame Endgame do you think Endgame is better than Infinity War it's tough to say it's tough to say because I, I was when we were doing this that's exactly what I was thinking and I I ultimately think I would have ended up on Infinity War side um, but I, I don't know that I would I think part yeah. of the reason why you might like Infinity War more is because there's more potential for like cliffhanger and and that, like that is a trope rather than yeah. good writing necessarily like, setups better than conclusion yeah exactly yeah. exactly yeah. but i think the conclusion i think they landed this very very well yeah you're not and gonna, i yeah. i think that you know you can whether you say that i'm making this pick based on the fact that it's you know 20 different movies into one mm-hmm. i think that you can't untangle those and regardless this is one singular movie That's and it point. is the emotion and feeling that i had when i saw it and it's 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 up there for me at number four. Uh, I, I can't. I like. Who am I to sit here? I I race out to every Marvel movie on the first sure, weekend. Sure, I, sure. I love Marvel, the MCU more than anything. So I'm never gonna sit here and go like, yeah, how yeah, dare yeah. you? Yep. But I think my issue was it was hard pulling out all these movies out of twenty of them, yeah, or twenty plus of them or whatever it is, to to find the one that would be in my top ten. Right. Um. I think I think of all of them, it would have been one of the Avengers: Infinity right. Wars or, right. or or Endgame because. It feels like the conclusion of a story, and it's almost like a token of all of those movies. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. it's a yeah, it's a symbol. Oh, Ooh. Uh, hey, so yeah, so that I yes, of course, I love that pick. <laughs> I absolutely adore that pick. So my number three is something we've already brought up before. Let's Ooh, talk about Arrival. Arrival, yeah, Arrival, directed by Denny Villeneuve. 
Canadian. Um, I just want to talk about Denny Villeneuve before I'm, we get into the I movie. would love to because one of his movies is a very near miss on mine. It Me didn't, too. Didn't make Enemy. No, I was gonna say Sicario. Oh, oh, is that no, so? No, he did that. Prisoners, Enemy, Sicario, Arrival, and Blade Runner 2049, all in this decade. Fuck, man. What a run. Fuck. What a run. And I didn't love Blade Runner 2049, but it's a it's a gorgeous movie, and I think I owe it to myself and to to Danny. I, we're on first name basis. <laughs> Danny. So, d- d- uh, we're not on a very close first name basis. <laughs> I don't know. Him. I don't know. Him. I <laughs> yeah. just know of his first name. Give me a fucking break. That's DV. what I meant. Yeah. Um. To to watch it again because I love Blade, Blade Runner and the book it's based on. Yeah. The Android's Dream of Electric Sheep is maybe my favorite book of all time. I actually really loved Blade Runner 2049. And and it, in the same way that, like, I hate to even say it, but, like, in a weird Terrence Malick kind of way, like, just sit that, back totally, I totally and get that. watch it. I totally like, get that. It is so pretty. Yeah. And you know he's, you know what the next movie is coming out with and it's coming in the year is Dune. I so, heard that, yes. And I it's kind of like, that. I was like, when they were like, ah, Dune's going to be made into a movie. I'm like, nah, no thank you. Like, yeah. Denny Villeneuve's making Dune. I'm like, oh, He can do it. If anyone that. can, it's him. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's totally like that. So, so I want to talk about Denny Villeneuve for a second, but Amy Adams, the Ren She's Dog. Back. Jeremy She's Renner. Back. Jeremy Renner, the Ren Dog, man. Oh, right. Yeah. Forrest Whitaker. But, uh, our favorite app, the owner of our favorite oh, yeah, app. Yeah, it's too bad they <laughs> shut that down. I was really starting to promote my alt-right theology. <laughs> What's the name of the app again for those of you? Who oh, need... God. It's shut down. It's, the... it's Isn't it just the Jeremy Renner app? Yeah, it was the Jeremy Renner social app. Yeah. It's where yeah, you can yeah, become yeah. friends because all of us are friends of Jeremy Renner because we all love him. Which we do. Jeremy Renner was very disappointed in our actions. <laughs> he would like write every once in a while. Oh, yeah. And man, Wednesdays aren't the same because they're not Wednesdays anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's the stupidest thing in the world. Uh, arrival. Yeah. <laughs> um. This is sci-fi, just like hook it to my veins, sci-fi. Yes. I don't need sci-fi to be borderline horror sci-fi. I don't need sci-fi to be doing this. I need sci-fi to be truly fantastical. It's never scary, even though there's an ominous presence to it. It's taking us to a world where things are just slightly off. Yes. The, the earth is the earth, and it we act like we would have acted. Right. But this outside force isn't... It's like ethereal. It's not. It's not here as a presence. It's here to almost teach us something. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I, I loved that part of it and that whole education process which could be such a boring or be brought down to a montage in another movie is kind of the educational moment in the movie right and it's also the movie the whole is. movie is about yeah. learning and language and that that's why when we kind of talked about it in, in the lead up to me revealing that arrival was my number nine i yeah. said it took a very highbrow concept and it made it understandable by everyone else which is the concept of of communication and language between species, the idea that we may not even recognize what language is for an alien species, and right. then the idea of of this other organism, whatever it is, having a circular view of time, which is something that I think a lot of people think they kind of understand yep. because they've seen it in like Arrival or not Arrival, uh, uh, Interstellar. Mm-hmm. But this is like a very real, I guess, uh, interpretation of how that would affect day to day. Uh, interactions as someone who who kind of views time on this on the circular scale. I had so much fun with it for for the lead up, uh, the discovery. It really reminded me of when I, when I was in university. My favorite cl- course that I that I took through university was called uh, it was it was on science fiction. But the mm. first thing the professor said was, "This isn't strictly science fiction. We call this genre SF for speculative fiction." which means it doesn't even need to invoke science or technology. It's, like you said, taking this world and introducing a catalyst that, I guess, sort of requires us to change around it or interact with it. 
you know, it's the world. But now aliens are there and they're not hostile. But how do we communicate with them? Yeah, and how is it? it? How is our behavior changed because right, of that? Right, exactly. Because of a passive, you know, non-entity. Yes, you know, like, exactly. And it's so it's it's it like it could be anything at that point. And it, and what science fiction has always been so good at is you could you know extrapolate this thing and make it about anything mm -hmm. make this about borders and countries and make this about you know religion make this about there's you know. there's one short story that i read in that class which was it's now used as a almost it's used in legal proceedings because it's such a great way of exploring uh the philosophy around uh, segregation and, and different cultures okay. and the whole idea was the world is at a state where our natural resources are, are more or less depleted an alien entity comes down and basically says, we will give you this resource, which is essentially an infinite amount of food, money. Whatever. Everyone can live rich. Everybody can live happy. Everyone has more than enough food. Here it is. We're saving you. We're saving the earth. All we want to return is all of your black people. And it's this. Whoa. The, I know. I know. And the and the 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 preceding elements of that story is basically interviewing different races religious organizations groups societies and kind of seeing what their perspective would be on that so it goes to israel and they're and they're interviewing a lot of jewish people who had been involved in slavery as well and saying like well we absolutely can't do this because you know you give up your integrity as a society and you're basically the whole idea is you're selling people into slavery um obviously that that's the the implication but that ability to yeah, take it's not to, hard to no, draw no, no, the lines no. from that yeah well no because i remember in 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 the class i i'd even said i was like is you know do we know like if these aliens are able to provide us with an unlimited resource do we know that they're bringing these people into harm and the teacher was just like what do you think <laughs> <He's> <laughs> like, what, what really like what do you think? yeah it's true we gave them up and they got even more than <laughs> yeah, we did exactly does that make exactly. you sleep better mikey yeah yeah um, dummy C but minus. It's just that it's that way of <laughs> of uh, of of I guess uh, invoking conversation and 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 exploring philosophical differences in a way that only SF and science fiction can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Arrival's a fantastic movie. Yeah. So my number three and your number nine. Uh, but Mikey, what is your number three? My number three. I'm super happy about this one. Another movie that I have watched several times, and the first time I saw it in the theater, I guess this is more my John Wick than anything else. Okay. It's Mad Max. Uh, yep. So yep. my number two. Oh, Mad Max. Mad Max. What a lovely Euro. day. Oh, what a lovely okay, day. Okay, good. All right, so we got, we got some more connection there. So I love it. Mad Max was just... One of those movies we talked about Russian Doll last uh, last uh, time we were talking about the top ten uh, so two weeks ago yeah yep. top ten TV and how at the end of Russian Doll I just felt so lucky that I got to take part in this story yeah and Mad Max is the same thing I don't think there's a second of that movie that isn't needed that isn't exciting or or purposeful it's so finely tuned and tight yeah man oh edge of the talk about edge of the seat and it's just, so. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. It is so perfect. And like, so it took almost 30 years for George Miller to make this movie. Right. Right. And almost all of the effects are practical. Yes. And it shows. Um, the isolation does really well for it, but it's such a busy movie. The music is phenomenal, pumping like a real heartbeat oh through this God, movie. Oh my God, yeah. And yeah. obviously like really encountered by uh, the eyeless guitar, guitar guy who's on bungees <laughs> surrounded yeah. by a wall of speakers. Yeah, yeah. And his guitar shoots fire. Did I mention that? Um, it, Did you need to mention that? I think that's implied. <laughs> <laughs> but who, whose guitar doesn't shoot fire? You know what I mean? Um, that's why I find my 
that's why I had to unplug my uh, my fire detector in here. Oh, because you play too much guitar. It's, I play way too much guitar. <laughs> is your I shred? Does your acoustic guitar play like a lighter? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Like lights a little, just yeah, a yeah. little, little bit. Yeah. Every time I'm like firing up some Kenny Loggins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Mad Max. How can we not? How can we not like? you know, honor this movie. Yeah. It is such a perfect standalone movie. So little has to do with anything that has come before it. Um, there's a real empowerment element of it, especially from a female angle where the protagonist is nearly silent and caged the whole movie, uh, which is phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> um, this really disgusting, you know, uh, antagonist who, who strangely looks like Donald Trump from the hair to, <laughs> and this was before Donald <laughs> yeah, Trump. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's totally like Donald Trump. Yeah. Gross body. Yeah, and it's us fighting for our natural resources, which is maybe uh, something we're going to have to talk about. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I love it. The effects are so good. The stunts are so good. Oh, my God. Uh, there are a number of times where our mouth is just hanging open. There, it, it almost crosses from like a, like a you know, a, a crash em up derby kind of style to Cirque du Soleil. I was going to say Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, with the hanging beams yes. that are going back and yes. forth and back. I just, it's such a good movie. And if someone, like, literally, if someone said, like, oh, I'm going to turn on Mad Max, and, like, you're like, hey, I'm just putting on my jacket. I'm going to go, like, we're trying Mad Max. Oh, I'll stay for it's a bit. A, it's, a, it's a magic trick. Yeah. How that movie comes on and two hours disappear. Mm-hmm. I've never experienced time loss in a movie like I have with Mad Max. And he said about, like, how do we, how do we pay tribute to it? We spray a bunch of chrome on our fucking teeth. To Valhalla, Valhalla, baby. Man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you're number three and my number two, Mad Max Fury Road. That sounds good. So then uh, what is your... So you're number two now. Oh, you're, so you're yeah, I'll, two. I'll give my number two. My number two is... This one's interesting because the first time I watched it, I didn't love it. I didn't love oh. it and it sat with me for so long until I forced myself to rewatch it and it immediately became one of my favorite movies of all time. It's Drive. I knew I knew Drive was gonna be on your list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Is that is that disappointing to you? No. I. You know what? Only. Okay. I'll, I'll let you go, and then I'll, okay. I'll say what I was gonna say. About so it. I'm a big fan of westerns. I've always loved westerns, and this is essentially a neon western. It's got the the '80s revival aesthetic. Before that was really mainstream and done to death. Uh, it's got Ryan Gosling, who like is the perfect person to have in a movie if there's a scene where you're not supposed to know if he's alive or dead because he just doesn't <laughs> react at all. It, he has the same scene in Blade Runner as he does in Drive right. where he's sitting in a car and you're like, I think he's probably dead. And he kind of just like moves a little bit and you're like, was that him moving as an actor or is he... D-? And then he moves again. You're like, oh, okay, no, no, he's, he's, he's alive, he's alive. <laughs> but he's perfect in this as the silent protagonist without a name. Um, or the brooding protagonist, I guess. Yeah. No name. Uh, it's it's the story of him traveling through town, essentially, just like any other Western, finds the damsel in distress, saves the damsel in distress. Oh. Um, just happens to be L.A. It just happens to be yeah. L.A. That's it. Yeah. Where probably a lot of those Westerns were filmed. Oh, no, Italy, right? Spaghetti well, Westerns. they did, yeah. They filmed them overseas because they couldn't get the funding for it. Yeah, right. but the uh, drive, the only thing, okay, so the other thing I want to point out is possibly my favorite, you know, uh, comedy uh, figure of the last, my whole lifetime. Oh, Albert Brooks's yeah, Albert Brooks. character is so terrifyingly perfect. Yeah. Like it's scary. Like yeah. he's, you're like, Oh yeah, that's what that guy would be like. He's such an asshole and I'm going to die. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, and he's I, so willing to tell you that he's yes. like, listen, this is look, I can't I, help you. You're dead, but I might be able to help the family. Like, totally. Yeah. And like, I've killed so many people. This is not a big deal to yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. like just so real about it. Yeah. I, he's so great in that. My problem with drive, <laughs> I don't want to do this to you because like you just said it's number two, but 
my thing with Drive is like, it's hard for me as an adult male to look back at Drive, and especially when I saw it when I was in my early 20s. And all the parts I thought were really cool, now being a little bit older, I now look back on it and I go, hmm, was it really cool? Like, it just feels like a, a young man's idea of masculinity. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, even down to the jacket. And you know what I mean? And, and the toothpick. And the toothpick and the gloves and stuff me, like that. like, that, that admittedly dated concept of masculinity sure. that permeates That's all Western movies. Yep. That has a hand in John Wick as well, in, in most Die Hard especially. Like, that that idea of masculinity, especially in the in the more flashy sense that it's that it that it's shown in drive there's something to it there's mm. like it's to me it would be like the equivalent of maybe uh, watching i don't know like like some some pop reality tv or something like that okay. there's something so popcorn about it that it's almost like putting on an old blanket or something mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. remember when that was just this <laughs> an old blanket like or like a warm blanket, like a familiar <laughs> coat got, or what whatever it is I got yeah. what you're saying. where it's like remember when movies that's all it was there's the brooding man and and like i'm i know that what i'm saying is like propagating what should be a very dated style of movie mm -hmm. but there's something familiar about it when that was what movies were and i get to go back to it and experience it with a much more um renewed aesthetic yeah i'm cool with that yeah it's also an incredibly stylized movie especially the, the soundtrack yeah the, the soundtrack which is maybe the thing that's aged best off all of a hundred it is so good um but like even the color scheme and the style yep. and stuff like that, that neon pink and purple. Yeah. It really introduced that color scheme back into, yes. you know, the world. But, uh, I, I can't really fight you on it. Cause it is also a very beautiful movie. Like it's really pretty. Yeah. Like it's done so many cool things because of it. Um, and also Ryan Gosling, you know, in one of his earlier starring films and stuff like that. So you just I, can't help but have this enormous crush on him in that movie. Absolutely. He's so, he's so, he's so nice to look at in that movie with all the other aesthetics absolutely. going on. And yeah. Christina Hendricks is great in it too. So, Christina um, Hendricks and uh, and um, what's her face? Um, the 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 main the main woman in that the main woman in Carrie that. Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Carrie Mulligan. And Oscar Isaac with and Oscar another Isaac, fucking Brian Cranston. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, Oscar Isaac. Yeah, that's yeah. We could talk about him at the end here. I think a yeah, little bit. But, I uh, love Oscar Isaac for sure because I know what your number one. So uh, <laughs> my number one, and this is the only time where I will get. So here we go. We're we're, we're here. Right, because your number two was Mad Max. My number two was Mad Max. And what was your number three? Was Arrival. Right. Okay. So we were kind of playing yes. off each other yeah, here yeah, for yeah, a second. Yeah, yeah. This one will be unique because I don't have your number one as my number one. But um, this is one of the ones where I actually will get defensive because now it's going to get down to movie making as a science. And to me, this is unquestionably oh, God. the best movie no, of the decade. No, no. Unquestionable. No. It is. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. It's 100% not. If math, if this was binary, oh, this would be the God. best movie of the decade. Oh, this is going to be hard. This is going to be hard. Why? Say it. It's the social network. Oh, whoa. Oh, I thought you were going with the big short. No. Oh, I don't okay. have a big short on my list. Oh, so, oh, so the earlier, poker face was good. Thank that you. That was a good poker face. I appreciate face. that. Oh, fuck. I would have I been all in on that. No, number one is the social network. Okay. Um, to me, it's, it is unquestionably, that, and that's not shitting on anyone else's list, including my beloved co-host, now that we're married, uh, <laughs> is in front of me. It's, it's more to say that it, it, did, it does so many things and all of them are good. Yeah. It is written by probably the best screen the best uh, the best uh, screenplay artist, screenwriter, screenwriter, thank yeah. you of, you know, of our lifetime with Aaron Sorkin. It is directed by my favorite director right now, David Fincher. Uh, it is introduced Jesse Eisenberg and Aramie Hammer and like you know, 
everybody, everybody, everybody is doing their job in this, and it's all good. And yeah. on top of that, they're telling a story that we should know and wouldn't have known without it. Right. But does right. it in an entertaining way that I just think it's just it, the soundtrack is incredible. Trent Reznor is now doing his first movie of all time. Yep. Like everyone is doing their part, and it's all good. Uh-huh. And so I just can't say enough things that I just the Social Network to me is so clearly perfect to the decade that it came into. Yeah. Um, you know, Jessica Eisenberg, who I think has, you know, definitely his faults. And I think people can wear real thin of his shtick. I've worn thin of his shtick. I could completely sure. agree with but you. But he was perfect in this movie. This is, I, before we knew it was his shtick, yeah. this was like, oh my God, that is perfect. Yeah. This is, he's literally Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Army Hammer doing what he's doing. I just think it's great storytelling. It, it traverses a huge amount of story of time. Everyone is doing great, including like their even little bit parts. This is the best use of Justin Timberlake in a movie. True. You know, like, you know, that and that line is a very like reusable line. Oh, drop line. the the? Drop the the, but you know what's cooler than a million dollars? Yeah. A billion dollars. You know, like that is a real thing that people will now use in their life. I, I think The Social Network is just nearly a perfect movie. And um, I'm so, so happy it came out this decade because now the big thing is that everyone's been talking about is do they redo the movie 10 years later? Oh, and not redo the original movie, but now where everyone, David Fincher and Aaron Sorkin, do they pick up where they left off oh, and go, shit. the story of Facebook now? Oh, cool. Um, this has been a real thing that you've heard them talk out loud about. And I don't, it's almost so much, and I have so much reverence for the social network in general, that I almost go like, don't, don't do it. It's That movie's yeah. great. You yeah. know, where it could only go downhill. But at the same time, it's never been more important to find out the... Um, capital that uh, that social network ha- that social network that Facebook has in your life and all of their misdeeds and the character development of Mark Zuckerberg since I don't, then. I'd almost wait another five years because something tells me there's some real shit that's going to go down with social oh, media. God. Um, yeah, I okay. I I agree. I'll say this: it's not on my list. Yeah. It's it's not really close to being. It's not even wow. not about close to being on my list. But. I have so much respect for this movie. I agree with you when you say it's basically perfect. Mm-hmm. Everyone's doing exactly what they should. Yeah. That's my biggest problem with it. And it's my problem with anything Aaron Sorkin is involved in. The dialogue is too good. And it ends up... I don't know if this is Fincher or just Sorkin's dialogue bringing this out in people. But the conversations end up reminding me of what movies and plays used to be like in like the 1950s where it's just this constant like ah well she i don't know about that and they're all saying these like three dollar phrases like these crazy like everything is so well put together that it takes kind of the humanity out of it there's no blubbering there's no pausing it's all just too fluid and i understand why that is a gorgeous thing to watch Mm -hmm. and to witness and it's and it's a it's an it's a type of storytelling that's totally laudable and and it works but it's just not for me it's too pristine and, right and it's when you're trying to it was the reason why i couldn't watch the newsroom it was like how many of yeah, these that you've never in your life heard someone speak like that and now you have a, an entire cast of people who never say um or like or just everything flows perfectly it just doesn't i can't fully get immersed in it because it's too pretty it's too perfect hmm. well it's interesting i just think I think the idea is that this is a stylized telling of the, the of who Mark Zuckerberg was and the starting of uh, Facebook. I, I I love Aaron Sorkin. I think I think because things are stylized or optimistic or you know I think what can be seen as pretentious, it be it should be what we could all be. You know what I mean? Sure. And I love and he writes about like usually like you know people that excel in their position 
And so there is this also moment where you kind of watch them and go like, yeah, that's probably how really smart people talk. You know what I mean? Where you're like people that are very, very good at their job and much better than us. You know what I, I mean? But I've never, I think that's how we think they would talk. I don't think anyone in the world talks like that. And I don't to, know, to man. Have, to have 20 of them conversing with each other with like I'm not talking about the newsroom. I'm not defending the newsroom. No, but even, even in social network, it's like that. Like Mark Zuckerberg and his girlfriend are talking one of the first scenes. Yep. And his girlfriend has like the best quip back to him of, I, I don't even remember what it is, but it's just, you know, he's going on his robotic, you know, speak like he always does. And then she quips back perfectly. Like, if someone spoke like that to me, like how Mark Zuckerberg was speaking at that table and over drinks, I would melt and shit my pants. And mm -hmm. she just like comes back and she's like, this is exactly what I need to say to cut right through your bullshit. But and that's why they're good, you know, foils for each other. Right. But that's, it seems unrealistic to me. So, and, but every movie needs to be realistic to you? I doesn't need to be like i said i yeah. this is it's okay with me that this is on your list or on a lot of people's lists right. i think I, I i understand that it is a great movie i like my movies to be a little bit more rough around the edges hmm. i guess unless unless the unless the the purpose of it is to be overarching you know stylistic like something like drive or yep. blade runner or something like mm -hmm. that um, but speaking of, I was going to say that was a perfect slumbering and, uh, and, and, and fumbling over your lines right. and, and basking in the glory of imperfection <laughs> is my number one, which I don't think it's any secret to anyone. It's inside Lewin Davis, uh, inside Lewin Davis is my favorite movie of all time. I think that it is the, I talk a lot about how a lot of movies are too long and how they need to trim the fat. I think this is the perfect example of how to have the, how to show a character go through so many different phases and so many different things and interact with so many different people and keep it short and keep it tight and also keep it rewatchable. The soundtrack is phenomenal in this movie. I love that 60s era, I guess, like folk aesthetic, mm -hmm. the underground scene of a guy who wants to, he wants to get it done. He wants to be famous. He wants to be an artist, but he has to do it his way right and i i think one of the reasons i love this movie so much is because i i i very seldom relate to a main character as much as i related to oscar isaac's character and in inside lewin davis um my family makes fun of me all the time for knowing that i could do something another way and make it easier on myself but purposely doing it the way i want to do it because success isn't worth it unless you do it your own way right um and even walking out of the theater I just remember the end of this movie, how it kind of repeats itself, where it's, it ends with essentially the, the same scene as the, the beginning scene. And you're like, oh, wait, I thought we already saw this. But then you take a step back and you realize the movie is, is playing itself as a record would play itself. You know, it goes in a circle, it starts where it ends, the needle drops again, and you hear the same song over again. But when you hear it again the second time, you can't help but hear it with your memory of what you went through the first time you heard that, right. that song. So a song is constantly evolving alongside your experience of hearing it multiple times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If something good happens to you, when, you hear, when you're listening to that song, you're always going to relive that good moment the next time you hear that song. If something bad happens, the same thing. And this is just kind of like the movie is, is, is structured like a record. You know, there's different tracks, there's different scenes, but it always begins where it ends. And then starts all over again. And the only difference is, did you learn from it or did you not? And I'll tell you, Oscar Isaac's character most likely did not. And he's going to just listen to it the same way and bang his head against the wall again. Uh, I know how much you love that movie, so I'm glad you were able to talk about it. It's in <laughs> Lewin Davis, number one for Mikey. Um, 
Can I start talking about some honorable mentions? I think we have to because there are so many. There First are of all, so many. I want to mention the fact that uh, neither of us had Paul Thomas Anderson on our list. Okay, so w- if there was a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, which one are you going to choose? I, I think I it would probably be The Master. <laughs> See, yeah, I, it was The Master for me too, but Phantom Thread came in second. Phantom Thread I was Phantom was Thread. great. Was fucking great. So and, and, and a lot of that is the fact that uh, that Daniel Day-Lewis is in it because Daniel Day-Lewis is amazing. But just the, the, the issue of control and yes. like I just yeah. I fucking love that movie and it it's so beautiful like yeah. it's so pretty and the costumes are so nice and the music's so great yeah I can't believe it because Paul Thomas Anderson is my favorite director is probably your favorite he is director is my favorite director for um, sure and uh, I know I said what's, what's your favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie oh there will be blood okay good yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. no I, I think that's kind of unquestionable yeah 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 um, and so yeah that was that was really tough for me the master and Phantom Thread not being on here um, the movie that I cut right before I right this morning even was Moonlight. Um, oh, okay. It, it found its way out of there. So here's some movies that I wanted to talk about that uh, I'm just going to run some down. You just stop sure, me, okay? Sure, Moonlight, Annihilation, Edge of yeah. Tomorrow was a big one for me that I, cool. I yeah, wanted yeah, to I have like Edge that. of Tomorrow like on there. That. It just sucks that I couldn't the, get The on landing there. didn't work as well for me on that one. I think it got a little stale by the end, oh, but, really? but I loved the concept. Love yeah. Mission Impossible GoPro. I wanted that one on there as well. Uh, the one that I was like, man, do I really just fucking throw a wrench in this? I was going to put Fast Five in here. Wow. Because it would have, it just, to me, changed movies. Sure. Where it's like, like, hey, guess what? We're reinventing ourselves. Now it's all going to be about heists. And you're like, right, right. okay. <laughs> and The Rock's here now. Cool. Sure. Right, right. You know, like, they're just completely on the fly going with stuff. Um, Get Out was the hardest, the other second hardest cut. That was uh, tough. That was very tough. Yeah, Get Out really should be on my list somewhere, but I just couldn't figure out how to do it. Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I just love it. You're right. Wait, was that? It was 2011, I think. Let oh, just, shit. Let me oh, just, wow. Uh, that was a great fucking movie. I uh, loved that movie. I know. I, it's, yeah, and that really sucked that it couldn't get on there. Uh, 2010. Um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Bridesmaids. Uh, 22 or 21 Jump Street. Right. Skyfall. Uh, which I really love and just has aged really well. The song, the style, the whole thing. Uh, Zay Charlie Wolfe, The Master, as we said. Grand Budapest Hotel, because I didn't have Wes Anderson on mine either. Right. I was um, okay with not having him, but I... I, I love Wes Anderson. I, I love him too, but <laughs> if, if anything was on there, it probably would have been Isle of Dogs for me. Oh, wow. I okay, yeah. Uh, so to me, it would have been Moonrise, Moonrise Kingdom or... Uh, so, Grand, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, Creed. Uh the Wolf of Wall Street, and my secret favorite that I really love this movie, and I guess no one else does, is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Oh, wait, I, wait which one? The one with Daniel Craig? Yeah, oh, I wow. loved it. I loved it, and I and I, no one else did, and I was like, and they couldn't make another one. I'm like, oh, okay. Damn. Yeah. So that's those are all your honorable mentions? Those are all my honorable mentions. So I had The Force Awakens as an honorable mention. I didn't choose it because I recognized that even more so than the Avengers, this was, this was sentiment rather than the movie itself being fantastic. Mm. Um, I, I, I toyed with the idea of putting sound and fury on there, but I knew that it wouldn't quite work because wow. it's not really a movie. Um, <laughs> bridesmaids I had on there, whiplash, a monster calls, which I think is oh, a, an incredibly underrated movie, but worked really well on me. The master, Eighth grade was really good. Oh, eighth grade. I should have had that. I loved eighth grade. Force Majeure. I don't know if you've seen that movie. So yeah. Do you know they're remaking Force Majeure American? Oh, really? And it's with, <laughs> it's with Will Ferrell. Just go with me. It's okay. a drama. It's a drama. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus is the wife. And uh, the director is, oh, it's someone good too. And I was kind of like, and I was like, they were describing the plot. I'm like, there's been a movie like that already. And they're like, they bought the rights to Force Majeure. And they're uh, like, okay, okay, I, okay. as long as it's, Will Ferrell in, in drama is good. Yeah. And as long as they stick to that and not make it like. Silly. Silly. 
I think this movie could be really good because Force Major was not seen by enough people. There is an element of silliness to it. Like there's a scene where the the husband is is in the fetal position on the floor crying yeah. in front of his family. Like they they could. I love that movie. Yeah. Kubo and the Two Strings. Yeah. I really liked. Yeah, you did. Uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yes. Place Beyond the Pines. Um, Place Beyond the Pines is actually a movie I was thinking about. Sorry, just while you were talking about uh, Drive, where I was yeah, like, they, I, I figured if I had one, I didn't need the other. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, Birdman. Um, you know what? Birdman is aged poorly in my mind. Now. Oh, really? Yeah. I'd have to rewatch it. I haven't seen it in a yeah. long time, but I okay. really like that movie. Call Me by Your Name was one. Call Me by Your Name is on my list. Was amazing. Yep. Um, John Wick. Enemy is the the Villeneuve movie mm-hmm. that I, I really wanted to get on there. Midnight in Paris is another movie that, oh. that just hasn't been uh, talked. Like he's about canceled. We can't talk about that. What's that? He's canceled. We can't talk about that anymore. Woody, Woody Allen? Woody Allen. What do you mean canceled? He's canceled. What? He's canceled. We can't talk about Woody Allen anymore. Why not? He's canceled. I don't get it. I don't get it either. He's canceled. <laughs> he slept with two of his children. Oh! He's done. We oh, can't... All of a sudden, you sleep with two of your children, <laughs> and you can't get talked about. One, we were okay with. We kind of just brushed that under. But he married the other one, and then we're like, well, Okay. Um, Another one, I had the Babadook on there as well. Oh, that's a great one. And uh, Toy Story 3 was one that I wanted to fit in. But again, was it just the sentiment of Toy Stories 1 and 2, which were not from this decade? I don't know. But those are a lot of my honorable mentions. Man, this was really, really fucking tough. Really tough. But do you want to do, can you do your 10 to 1 again just quickly? Yeah, absolutely, I can. So starting at number 10, Anomalisa, Arrival, Hereditary, MacGruber, Tree of Life, Her, Avengers, Mad Max, Drive, and the best movie of all time, Inside Lewin Davis. <laughs> My number 10 was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Nine, Moneyball. Eight, Her. Seven, Francis Ha. Six, John Wick. Five, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number four, Whiplash. Number three, Arrival. Number two, Mad Max Fury Road. And number one, The Social Network. You know what? Just mm. as we're wrapping up here, we next week will... <laughs> we're wrapping up here. And we're here to say we got 10 movies in a really nice way. Got Whiplash and I got Drive. It's Inside Lewin Davis. And I'm a rival. Uh, dead on arrival. <laughs> <laughs> that was not as bad as it should have been. Um, but next week, we'll be coming back at you with a normal episode where we'll be talking about a video game. How we about that? Indeed. And maybe a little bit of movie stuff, too, because of movies that are coming out. But after that, on New Year's Eve, circle oh, your calendars. I'm excited for this one. We're going to be doing the top 10 video games of the decade. Top 10. That was the hardest list for me. Um, this one was was a close second out like of he, only three. But like he, I, I don't know. Do you want to do you want to tease your list at all for people to get their oh, appetites? Man. Do you want to talk about an honorable? Don't, don't talk about it. Just just give an honorable mention. You know what I will say? Okay. This is what I'll say. Okay. There are way fewer AAA titles on this game. Indie games had a much larger presence on my top 10 list than even I would have thought before I sat down to start it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sad about how many AAA titles are on there. Oh, really? <laughs> I actually was looking back, I'm like, oh, you liked so many other games, though. <laughs> <laughs> but you're just... More than even movies and stuff like that, these are the ones that like just stink, stick, stink. <laughs> these are the movies that just stink. They uh, suck. <laughs> they no, they just stick like um, just like a wooden arrow right in your heart, and you're like, oh, I can't not think about this. Better than you know, a metal you know? arrow. Is it better or than a, a poison me- arrow? Oh, that would be bad. That would suck. slow death. Slow death, and also just in my heart, like get out of there. Why? Because that's where that's where love goes. That's where love goes, <laughs> and you just tried to to poke it with. With your wooden arrow, <laughs> get get your wood out of my heart. Get get out of here get with that. Get out of here. Get out. What is my mention. heart? A vagina? <laughs> oh, not a normal taco. <laughs> um, okay, so we're really excited to talk about that. Yeah, like I, there are so many 
games that I, I am so excited to talk about. And even in the honorable mention, I feel like I'm going to be like, well, here's 20 minutes on honorable yes, mentions. Exactly. Um, exactly. So yeah, we're so excited to do that for new year's Eve. And we hope you can listen along with you with us, excuse me, but thank you so much for, you know, tuning in today. And, and, and we, we really want to hear about your list as well. Yeah, absolutely. So can you hashtag retrograde? We were, so we had retro TV 10 for, yeah. for the TV. Let's go retro movie 10. Re- retro movie 10. Yeah. We want to hear your top 10 movies of the decade. Listen, they don't all have to be clever hashtags. All right. <laughs> Sometimes they're very, very practical. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm generally curious to see what people like. There's going to be movies that we're going to see submitted that we're going to be like, Oh yeah. Right. Right. Mm, yeah, That's that why was, I couldn't stop uh, looking at lists because every so often I'd see one like, Holy fuck. I forgot about yeah. that movie. When you yeah. said MacGruber, that was the one where I was like, oh, yeah, 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 that's yeah. really good. Well, when you said 21 Jump Street, I was like, obviously, like if yeah. that may have made my list as well. Like it's tough, man. There's it's so many so good tough. Ones. I know. I kept shuffling them in and out and stuff like that. So we want to hear about that. So it's retro movie retro 10. Retro movie 10. Retro movie 10. Um, and we can't wait to, you know, hear, see those and we'll talk about them when we get them. Sounds good. Oh man. Thank you so much for listening. We love every single one of you D-pads and we can't wait to talk to you soon. Movie. Oh no. Finn. Oh, Finn. Is it Jaws? Oh, no. Oh, no, no. We're going to get sued, Mike. Don't do that. John Williams has sued us so many times. <laughs> yeah, he's like a pretty much like having your other bedroom over here. Yeah. Oh, well, that's what I gave him, so he stopped suing me. John Williams comes out in a shower robe. Go, guys, like, guys, 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 guys. No, guys, no, 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 this no, 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 no. Why do you think I'm here in the first place? <laughs> yeah, stop that. Okay, bye. <laughs> Finn. Feel free to review the podcast. Nope. Feel free to review the podcast on your platform of choice, and you may hear your review featured on a future episode. Subscribe, like, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Listen direct and find our show notes at theretrogradepod.com. Join us on Facebook or on Instagram at theretrogradepodcast. Or Twitter at retrogradepod. And you can always send us an email at theretrogradepodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this, make sure you let your player two know it. <laughs> if you enjoyed this, make sure to let your player two know to give us a listen. Let's play again next week. D-Pat. No, that sounds so dumb with a pause. What is wrong with me? Am I have a head injury? Let's play again next week, D-Pads. Fuck it. That sounded good. Can you just time for sure, a Sure, sure. I'm just going to take a quick piece. All right. Sounds good.